there. Welcome back to the coffee shop. World Cup coffee and tea at Northwest 18th in Gleason in Portland. It's another OMN coffee shop conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni. If you were in New Orleans, you would have been celebrating Carnival for weeks now. Mardi Gras is coming up on Fat Tuesday, February 28th. But did you know that there's also Fat Monday? It's called Lundi Gras. And here to talk about it is New Orleans native saxophonist Reggie Houston. He'll be playing a Lundi Gras show at the Lake Theater in Lake Oswego. We'll find out all about it and learn some stuff about Lundi Gras I bet you never knew. Get your beats out. Hey now, listen to the real thing. Reggie Houston. Yeah. Reggie, welcome back to the cupping room. Thank you, Tom. It is good to be back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice day. Happy Carnival. It is Carnival time. It is. And it everybody is. gonna have a good time. <laughs> we're gonna try. Oh, we're gonna do it. We will do it. We're gonna try to. We're gonna definitely yeah, try to. Yeah, indeed. Um, then you got this gig coming up. Yes. The day before. Which a lot of people in New Orleans know as Lundi Gras, but not, not a lot of people outside of New Orleans realize that there is a day before Mardi Gras, which is Lundi Gras. Well, let's get let's get our French pronunciations correct here. Okay. Okay. Lundi Gras uh-huh. is Lundi is Monday in yeah. French. Yes. As is Mardi is Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, we don't have to go to go any further. No, get down count after that. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 a maitre d, but, but that's when we go get our little, our little ashes and then something like uh-huh, that. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, um, Lundi Gras is a celebration now when King Rex uh-huh. and King Zulu uh-huh. uh, meet at um, Waldenburg Park, which is parallel to the Mississippi River in downtown New Orleans, uh-huh. uh, they arrive on barges. Huh. And it's like the official beginning of Mardi Gras yeah. time, yeah. as opposed to all of the festivities that we're participating in up to Lundi Gras. Right. Uh, Including this the, minute, you know, it's part of the <laughs> carnival season. Yeah, that's the carnival. Yeah, um, and then it gets into Mardi Gras. Uh, Lundi Gras is the, like I said, the meeting of the two significant mm-hmm. um, Mardi Gras crews. Mm-hmm. Uh, king Rex is the king of Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. and Zulu has become the face, as it were of uh, the new face of Mardi Gras, Mm. which is the African-American social and pleasure club that started from the turn of the 20th century Mm -hmm. and um, who in 1947 had um, Louis Armstrong Mm -hmm. as the King of Zulu. Uh, That was the only thing that brought Louis Armstrong back to New Orleans wow. was to ride in the Zulu parade mm. 
he had refused to come back to New Orleans for many, many years yeah. because of the racial situations and the uh, the tensions that were down there in the South at the time. Yeah. Um, but he did uh, gladly accept the invitation to be king of Zulu because it is a big thing yeah. to be the king of Zulu as it is to become the king Rex, the king of Mardi Gras. Yeah. Um, both uh, are preceded by a, a invitation only ball but when I say invitation only uh, if you have a Mardi Gras crew and you may have nearly 500 members in your crew and each member might get two guest tickets and stuff like that plus yours and your spouse's tickets and stuff. Yeah. It's easy to fill up any auditorium <laughs> or arena, even the largest. Yeah. Um the the Zulu um well, let's start with Rex being the king of Mardi Gras, um, and is a very formal presentation. Uh, because African Americans were excluded from the celebration, mm -hmm. the Zulu were a parody on King Rex mm. when they first started. <laughs> so the Zulu, they were, you know, so they, these are African Americans in blackface uh, with grass skirts, and instead of throwing pretty glass beads and doubloons from the floats, uh -huh. the Zulu would throw coconuts you know <laughs> they well decorated coconuts uh -huh. but, uh, because a lot of the original members were longshoremen so <laughs> they can get these these fruit these coconuts coming in uh, for a very very cheap price uh -huh. and what they do they take them to their houses and they they sand all the the hair and stuff off it and and they paint them and decorate them and um they used to throw them from the floats. You can't throw coconuts from the floats anymore. Like it hurt. Yeah, they hurt. <laughs> <laughs> they hurt. They hurt. But but they, you know, they hand them out and stuff like that. They they are one of the most coveted throws yeah. um, of the celebration. One time when Jonathan was still here, Jonathan and Tanya from the Orleans Candle Shop. Uh huh. Yes. He gave me. The hundredth anniversary Zulu beats. Oh man, yes, and indeed. that's why every time it's any any time it's, it's it's time to wear beads during carnival season, they're right there. Yes, right there on my chest. Yes, and then yeah. you go back in the draw afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes, I have I have a couple of pairs of beads, and it's silly. I mean, these are little trinkets, but you you know they they come from a certain source. It's silly to me. Them. You're right. You know, they, yeah. they come from a source yeah. and they become reverent. Yeah. I mean, I have I have coconut, like our lovely Jane Manning. Uh -huh. God bless her. Love her to death. Jane was given a coconut and for my birthday she gave me a she gave me one of her coconuts nice. this year. Nice. Now that's a big thing. It is. To me, I mean it is. I appreciated that more than getting a diamond ring or something like that. Well, you can have I, you can have my beads when I drop dead. How about yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you leave those 
you, you leave those things in your will, right? right? So I felt, you know, I mean, you you really cherish your your friendships and that kind of stuff. When yeah. out the clear blue sky, you and it say, hey, man, it's a coconut. It just got paint on it, right? And, well, never no. mind. Yeah. And it's still in a very coveted spot in my in, in my in my office. Yeah. It's right there, and, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. you see it, and you say, what the heck is that? <laughs> anyway. Uh, so King Zulu and King and King Rex arrive on uh, on a barge and what yes, guys? and then they have a lot of music and stuff, mm -hmm. and, and then they have the the mayor mm -hmm. and kind of they they read the declaration mm -hmm. and oh yeah, so, you know here here is whereas and yeah yeah give the we officially proclaim this is London ground the official beginning of the. You know, for the next 48 hours, it's pedal to the metal. Yeah. And they will remind you. But at midnight, we thank you and remember that the celebration ends at midnight. Uh, and that's another ritual uh, that the mayor and the chief of police and yeah. chief of firemen, they... They make this line on Bourbon Street. Uh -huh. They start the line about the 1000 block of Bourbon Street, maybe a little closer to Canal Street, and they move towards Canal Street. Yeah, with bullhorns on the big horses <laughs> and stuff like that. And right behind them is this army of garbage trucks. <laughs> and as kids and stuff, and still to this very day. If if I am home, yeah, and I'm around there, I'm going to hang around. And say, well, no, we got to wait to see the garbage, the garbage. <laughs> you know, let them do that. And the people, and I mean, that's this is the only time, technically, that Bourbon Street closes. Yeah. And who wasn't who wasn't even ready? Better get out the way. Got to get out the way. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 that's it. Well, a part of the celebration is. Stuff like sharing king cakes. Yes. You, You're going to have that at the gig, right? I am bringing that um, with the wonderful folk at Beaverton Bakery. Oh, um, yeah. Miss um, Carrie Ann Schubert. And Who her makes a good king cake. Dad, Charlie Schubert and yeah. that whole wonderful staff over there. They, yeah. they do it correctly. And so they're supplying... Um, us with enough king cake. As a matter of fact, we're going to be giving. Come, I came up with this thing. We're going to be giving uh, king cakes away. We're going to have some door door prizes. Yeah. And um, one of the special items that's going to be a door prize, but later it's going to be a part of my merchandising uh -huh. uh, thing to my website. And they'll be able to buy it on my gig. But for this gig, it's just going to be a door prize of the Reggie Houston second line handkerchief. Oh, yeah. And they are decorated uh -huh. very artistically. Picture of you? Huh? Picture of you oh, on no it? No picture of me on it. Oh, come it. on. A floor delete, baby. <laughs> come on. We got, we got, we, you know, I, I want people to, to, to take these things home and cherish them, not, not use them for dart practice and such. Uh, but uh, it's, That's great. Yeah, and, and they're going to be 
more about who's involved in the uh, second line handkerchief themselves, uh-huh. but I just say that they're all going to be uh, embossed and embellished by some of the Northwest best artists. Right. Uh, Since it's going to be wild and going to be um, different from their usual work, Uh um, it's agreed that I won't use their names for, you know, Uh because it's not what they're famous for. Yeah. Yeah. But because they're friends and they they like the idea of participating in something fun and and something kind of to connect the Northwest with New Orleans. Yeah. They, they're they excited about... And it sure beats the shit out of waving a, a napkin from the table. That's, you know, <laughs> I mean, it just... A, yeah, so Which now you're going, to have a, you're going to have a real deal. There you go. A real deal that you'll be able to... Ask, after you use it at the gig, you see, and what's happening, second line instructions come with uh, each handkerchief. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have, have instructions on how to <laughs> use the second line handkerchief um, in a Nolens kind of way. All right. Um, and uh, the King Cakes and, and, the, and the show itself, we're excited about it. Yeah. Um, and I say we because I had one rehearsal with the guys and uh, since they're familiar with the music, uh-huh. but it's the how we're putting this music in a certain context uh-huh. and presenting it. And who are they? Well, on <laughs> piano, yeah. we have Mike Elson. Uh-huh. Mike Elson is the pianist that Janice Scroggins um, turned me on to uh-huh. uh, about two years before she passed. Uh, incidentally, every gig that I do, man, for the rest of my life is dedicated to Janice. Of course. And I make that make that obvious to oh yeah I, I really yeah. I mentioned I talk about it and stuff yeah. like that yeah. I'm so happy that the colors that we're using are purple green and gold because uh-huh. purple was her favorite color All right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and just a little a little tidbit I travel with one of her scarves do you uh, that she yeah. gave it to me and I keep it in this Ziploc bag because I've never washed, I've never washed it because I could still smell her. Wow! I could still still smell the the yeah. the, uh, yeah. the fragrance that she used. So, I um, it's it's uh, well, Mike Elson is recommended by Janice. I guess you know he's the top in the. Well, you don't have to say anything else. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, but not only is he a great pianist, he's a, he's. Um, just a great, a great young man, uh-huh. wonderful human being, as is all of these musicians that on this project. Uh, my bass player, I call him Ever Ready. Yeah. Ben Jones. Big Ben. Big Ben. Yeah, man. Um, you know, if if Ben didn't have so much hair on his face, I'd kiss him. <laughs> I love him that much. You know what I'm saying? Um, he my guy. He my guy. He yeah. he's and. Uh, and and it's great to play with such high caliber musicians because it makes me want to work up to their greatness. Yeah, you know, yeah. it makes yeah. me want to be. I want to be like Ben. I want to. I want to 
take those things that this cat does so well and is so focused and so yeah, good at what he yeah, does, yeah. you know. But on the big picture, um, I I have the dynamic, ever positive presence of Mr. Peter Damon. There you go on guitar. Yeah, um, you know, I, I I was speaking to Ben. I was at a Gretchen Mitchell gig one time uh-huh. at uh, at uh, uh, Candlelight, and just talking around. I'm like, "Hey, Gretchen, do you know pop that thing?" And she goes, "No." <laughs> he just sends and goes, "Boom, boom, 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 Right in. Without skipping a beat, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> See, man, that's 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 ever ready, man. Yeah. And and so Peter, Peter's always great, huh? Peter's always great. Peter, um, Peter, consummate pro. Um, and I I love as all these musicians that I'm playing with, including Tyrone uh-huh. Hendricks. Um, Tyrone's in the band. Yeah. Tyrone, oh man, Tyrone is. Man, you know. the head album of his is so oh, good. Oh, it is wonderful. I mean, man, I played, I play that, I play that too much on the radio. That I it, find myself coming back to some track on that every week. And it was such a labor of love, and you could hear it. Yeah. On every track, yeah. you could hear. Yeah. You know, and it is Saida. She. Woo. Man. Man, that hell young lady. <laughs> you know, I had always known her to say hello to. Uh huh. Same here. Because, but she came in here to do a coffee shop conversation. I went, wow. I just said, you know, but I, got in, I wasn't here in front of her going, wow. But in, to myself, I'm going, wow, she's, she's deep. And all of a sudden, she's, in the middle of the whole thing, she starts singing. Yes, indeed. Ooh, blues. She starts singing blues. <laughs> See, it, um, so Tyrone's in, is, is playing drums. Ty, Tyrone's on drums. I'm gonna be playing saxophone. I have my student Tycho Yokohama. Uh huh. Um, Tycho gonna help me with some technical things, but also I'm gonna have the second part of the show. I'm gonna have her to come in, play some of that New Orleans Good. stuff with me. Nice. Um, but we have to keep it, and it's gonna be fun. You see. Uh huh. This you think of underground music, underground music is loud and boisterous and uh-huh. celebratory. Uh-huh. No, we could, we could, we could have all the energy of the music, but we're going to have to. We we're, we're doing it at a moderate volume. Oh, because of the because of the venue. Yes. Yeah, I understand. And and there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Because, like I said, working with these world class musicians, um, it's it's. The challenge is always there to keep the energy there. Uh But we just had a little rehearsal in my living room at my house. Yeah. You did? Yeah. And we just had a great time Uh and and the energy was high and, Uh and, um, and, and, a part of the presentation as uh-huh. we are playing this new audience music, I'm preparing a uh, slideshow. There's really? a, sc- a screen that's going nice. to be our backdrop, uh-huh. and our backdrop is going to be this slideshow of scenes over the years uh-huh. of Mardi Gras, Mardi yeah. Gras, yeah. and 
the people, places, and things that's responsible for the celebration. Great. So they're going to be having occasional pictures of Mardi Gras food. What kind of food they eat down there? Uh-huh. They're have big, um, hopefully, we're going to have a few people in the audience salivating during the performance. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because yeah. we're going to have uh, pictures of... Then we're all going to come over to your house. Huh? Then we're all going to come over to your house. <laughs> but see, yes, y'all go to my house because... <laughs> I'm not going home that night anyway. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna get stranded in Lake Oswego if I'm lucky. Uh, you know, I might not even, my car might not even be visible. You know, I walk to the gig. So you're gonna be playing a little traditional New Orleans jazz. Man, you want me to say okay for you, Tom. Um, have the show usually the shows there are like 40 45 minutes yeah I asked them with with like a 10 or 15 minute break yeah I asked them could I do two one hour sets Ah. with a 30 minute break there you go um so we'll be able to start at 7 and still get out there at 9 30 um but the first part of the stuff and I'm going to have the slide presentation starting the thing with um, as people coming in uh-huh. slideshow going to be in a particular image and I'm going to have programmed pre-recorded music that uh-huh. I want uh-huh. to uh, and that music will be playing and then it'll segue into me walking on stage starting yeah. the show there you go um, I think I'm going to probably walk on a stage without the musicians on a stage. Uh-huh. Everything will be set up. And with the slide going on and the pre-recorded music of a certain song that I'm going to talk about. All right. The slide. All right. Okay. And then we're going to come up and I will give, I will definitely play some tradition. I'll do. Yeah. I, I, I got a. I got to give them some of the history of the music. So it'll be some of the historic music, some yeah. of the older kind of stuff yeah. that would be played on the Mardi Gras. Uh-huh. Um, for example, I have a, a picture of Bunk Johnson. All right. And he's been on Mardi Gras Day. Oh, man. Playing the gig uh, outdoors geez. in New Orleans, right? So you could see some of, you know, uh, the Mardi Gras goers uh-huh. in the little 19 early 30s maybe late 20s wow. little costumes huh. um, and bonk with his hat on standing up with his trumpet and, and you can hear him across the river right yeah you can hear him <laughs> all the way across <laughs> I mean, all the way from New Iberia you know, yeah. that's where he's buried in New Iberia is that right New Iberia man huh. Huh. In, in, in Stone Cajun country huh. my, my nanny was in New Iberia and, uh-huh. and, and they started a bonk Johnson festival <laughs> And every year they would bring us to to New Iberia to play the Bunk Johnson Fest. You know, we go go to school, do some yeah. workshop at the school, yeah, yeah. and go to little the little auditorium and do the concerts and stuff like that. Yeah, every year we did that for <laughs> several years, man. Well, let's get to this thing. Uh, all the information about the the Lake Oswego gig it's on, it's on the page. Okay, on Oregon Music News. Oh, on so Music we don't, News we don't have and ReggieHouston.com. Yeah. Uh, so what is this thing here? Let's see New Orleans through Reggie Houston's eyes and ears in April. What is that? Okay. I was approached some time ago by 
wonderful lady, Miss Sandy Carter, uh, who owns my Bucket List Adventure Tour Company. She's used to touring worldwide. She does the African safaris, Australian thing, you know, exotic places and and uh, non-exotic places. Well, she asked me would I be interested in doing a cruise, playing a cruise, and I told her no, I wouldn't. I'm not. Oh. <laughs> I'm not a, interested in doing cruises. I'm, yeah. Uh, if I go, no, I'm not. That's not my thing. Um, however, I told her the only cruise that I really would endorse if we could do a river cruise uh-huh. up the Mississippi River, uh-huh. which I've done one and. And then they discontinued them, and so she's looking into that. From that, I said, um, I would also, instead of doing a cruise, how about just getting a group of people and come to New Orleans and see New Orleans through my eyes. Uh I shared with her my relationship with a group of people here in Oregon, this wonderful group of ladies that come and hear me play at uh, my Sunday gig all the time at Eats. Uh, And a few years ago, they wanted to take a vacation and they asked me about New Orleans. So they Uh had recently retired. I played for one of the ladies' husband's memorial service. Uh And so it's like these three sisters and their friends. So they all retired. And they asked me, I said, we're in New Orleans. We want to go to New Orleans. We haven't been. So I made them a little itinerary, places to go, people yeah. to see and stuff yeah. like that. They they planned it, went. When they came back, all the people, played, the people I told her to see, she's bringing me seat autographs. So the people, <laughs> she read that got so-and-so autographs. And, yeah, yeah. You know, this thing got me notes from Jermaine wow. Basil from <laughs> you know I'm, I'm sending them all over the place yeah. and they went all over the place and some uh-huh. came back see it the best time they had last year um, I had some these some health issues and I got all these health issues behind me cancer free and all this kind of stuff uh-huh. but before I knew I was cancer free but I was still feeling good uh-huh. I had planned this trip to New Orleans for my first Mardi Gras in 12 years. Wow. Last year. Yeah. Okay, but then I got the good news <laughs> that I'm, I'm, I'm healthy, right? Yeah. But I had already made the reservation, so I went uh, home. Uh, well, I decided early, yeah. way before Mardi Gras, that I was gone. I shared it with this group of ladies. Well, I'm going home for Mardi Gras. Wow, how long are you going to be? I'm going to be gone at least two weeks. And I want to go the week before Mardi Gras for all the local stuff working up to Mardi Gras day. And I leave a couple of days after Mardi Gras. She said, oh, wow. We would love to be there with you. So what they did, six of them got together. And the first week that I was in New Orleans for Mardi Gras last year, they came. So I brought them to places and stuff. So I shared this with the tour guide lady. Uh-huh. I said, you know, we went here, we did that, we did this and stuff like that. Plus they had a lot of time to do things on their own, but we had a great time. So she said, well, let's, let's do that. So she looked into it, made the phone calls, talked to the tourist bureau there, the hotels. She's got these incredible rates at the 
most luxurious hotel on Bourbon Street recently renovated so it was really cool before that but not been all modernized uh-huh. um, the Bourbon Orleans uh-huh. she booked 12 rooms double occupancy uh-huh. uh, and it's from April the 16th to April the 26th I mean 22nd uh-huh. uh, we have every day I planned uh, we go to some of the best music clubs and mm-hmm. restaurants. We're gonna, we have a crawfish bash. Crawfish bash we had uh-huh. in one of the... Got to teach them how to eat it? I'll be glad to. <laughs> 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 I'll be glad to eat off of everybody's platter. <laughs> um, we, we, we have... Um, I also... I'm doing a special concert, a special performance... Uh-huh for this group, but also for my folk in New Orleans at Cathay Istanbul. Uh-huh. Also, I'm doing shows at Snug Harbor, uh-huh. in the Jazz Bistro, which is the most, but it is the jazz club in New Orleans. And uh, I'll be playing there with Charmaine Neville's band. And, um, and I'll probably, the week that I'm there before the tour week, uh-huh. I'm probably going to be playing at Snug Harbor with my band. Oh, yeah. Um, I have to give them a call. But then uh, we're having tours, uh-huh. and where I have the hotel where we're staying, uh-huh. um, I'm going to, a lot of the tours, I'm going to be able to walk the people there so they don't have to spend a whole lot of money getting other transportation and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been designed to see... Well, I'd like to see um, New Orleans, to me, since I moved here to Portland before Hurricane Katrina, I still have a pre-Katrina New Orleans in my consciousness. Yeah. yeah. But I have been home enough uh-huh. to appreciate and see the reclamation yeah. as it's happening. Um, so my perspective of sharing it with people from the Northwest. So we have some people from the Midwest joining us, uh-huh. you know, uh, this year. And having a chance to share the perspective of what was here and what's here now. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. what was here, I could show where, where if it's something, see, none of the traditions have been lost. Uh-huh. And none of the things that have made New Orleans this this iconic city mm-hmm. in America that that when a New Orleanian, especially a musician, travel abroad and they say, "Hey, man, you guys from the United from the states," and you say, "No, man, I'm from New Orleans." <laughs> it's it's a common yeah yeah uh, sentiment, and right. those little entities that make the city that yeah. they're still there mm-hmm. they have but what I appreciate about New Orleans now in this reclamation thing that it is growing more into an international city uh-huh. than it has ever uh-huh. I said it has grown yeah. into yeah. an international city yeah. and I get a chance to bring my Japanese 
American, my Japanese student, yeah, with me to New Orleans, and uh, it's amazing how her first trip down there, she wasn't alone because the guitar player in Charmaine Neville Band, mm -hmm. Detroit Brooks, mm -hmm. is married to this phenomenal Japanese pianist. Wow. And there's this whole group of young kids and Middle Eastern kids mm -hmm. and kids, kids from Israel and kids from Iran. <laughs> but they're coming for music. Yeah. They're coming for this thing and they, you know, um, there is a kind of richness when you have this new energy. Sure, they're bringing their experiences of their home with them, mm -hmm. but they're also immersing themselves in this deep-seated culture right. uh, that right, extends right. not just music, culinary, yeah. um, the visual arts, the right. architecture, you know yeah. I mean? Yeah. It, it still has all, have all those charms yeah. that, that, um, that it's both intriguing, uh -huh. inviting, and I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm so glad a lot of local New Orleanians won't be hearing this because a lot of old <laughs> cats, they say, ma'am, all these, all these young people coming in and taking our gigs and stuff like that, but yeah. I see, yeah. I see some wonderful stuff right. Right. as a result of that. Of course, I have had a touch of, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going on this because it's too much money, but for me, but um, uh, I've had a taste of that. Oh, you uh, have. Uh, <laughs> during Jazz Fest, <laughs> when you took a bunch of us to Bullets. Now, you see, some of these people going to go to, see, that's really a part of my New Orleans. Yeah. You see, now, we're going to go to Bullets. Okay. And we're going to to the mother-in-law lounge. Oh yeah, so, I, mean, I got a pictures. Imagine me bringing Tycho, <laughs> Mardi Gras day. Yeah, yeah we at the yeah, mother-in-law yeah. lounge, man, drinking drinking the vodka and cranberry juice at the at the <laughs> bar Mardi Gras day, and you can see the cats in the background <laughs> waving and gestating while we're taking a picture, right? Because yeah. they want to. Yeah, um, well, that was a, definitely a memorable night at Bullets. It wasn't sure. it done? Wasn't it done? Yeah, and we have we have pictures to prove it. Oh yes. <laughs> but oh, that, yes. Was, that was that was a that was a an unbelievable oh unbelievable night. Yeah. Un, uh, just a unbelievable the guys that you played with when you were you were young were there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well one got the other saxophone player, Curry, we went to college together, but yeah. we just we just kinda put that band together and, and we had Peter. Yeah. Peter yeah. Peter Damon. Yeah. Um and Peter also played the played the fest with me when we when we were there uh, yeah. with Charmaine. Right. right. Um, <laughs> and uh, I told Peter, I mean, if he see, I can't afford to bring my Portland musician to New Orleans, but if right. they come, yeah. I could put them up. There you go. I got a place to stay. But go. if Peter is in New Orleans for this week, Peter could be on all my gigs. There you go. Yeah. I won't have to. I won't hire. Um, uh huh. I was thinking about hiring my good friend Carl LeBlanc. Uh -huh. Amacy? Well, Amacy is on the my uh, gig at Cafe. That I'm doing this. It's called Anonymous Legends. Yeah. 
Well, I'm gonna be doing excerpt for my anonymous legends because I have <laughs> I'm gonna have my I'm gonna have my crew with me then. I'm having yeah. Gerald French, gonna go be yeah. on drums. Ham yeah. Amasium piano. Um, I'm, um, I'm I have three bass players that I want to come. Uh-huh. But but think about it. I'm gonna try to do this like in cameos. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna just have the the piano player. Yeah. drummer and I want to get the three bass players to come at three different times of the show and do I'm going to have George Porter uh-huh. um, Mark Brooks uh-huh. and um, and there's this son of Wardell Kazair wow that's there's somebody that people don't know about I mean, you and I know about him, right? But he, he's, he's Monday, Monday. I mean, at the at the London Grand Gig, yeah. They they're gonna see. I got this huge his picture. Go, you see, one of the most um, recognizable Mardi Gras songs. Uh huh. Uh-huh. You know, Mardi Gras and all of this stuff. Yeah. And people think that's Professor Longhair. Uh-uh. They say Professor Longhair song, blah, blah, blah. And, because, and I love to see, see most people, when that record first came out, it was the A and B side, a, one and, a part one and part two. Yeah. The, the singing was on part two. <laughs> Yeah, but that's got more airplay, so everybody relates to that at the uh-huh. song because it's Professor Longhair, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not the so at the concert. I'm gonna have to play the whole song, and it's not <laughs> cut, right? It's the whole thing through. So you know, so you hear it's an instrumental. Yeah. The tag out because remember, it's no <laughs> solos after he sings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's no solos after he sings. Yeah. They. All the arrangement has played out, and then the last chorus, me got five, can't put it out. Yeah. He says that, and that's it. <laughs> you know, he whistles. Oh, yeah, he whistles. Uh-huh. He whistles. Uh-huh. He whistles the chorus, and he sings the chorus. That's it. <laughs> Everything else is the arrangement. So yeah. I'm going to have this thing on it. And you played it on your show, the, the Pat of the Bell thing. Yes. That's what else arrangement. Is that right? I thought that was Alan Tucson's arrangement. Wardell was the Wardell. Alan didn't do no arrangement. Really? Wardell was the studio um, huh. house arranger. Really? That's what he got paid for writing arrangement. Uh-huh. See, man, when I went to do set, when I was lucky enough, you see, they had two baritone saxophone players uh-huh. that was making session. Man, I was when I came along, I was the third cat. Yeah, it was Kid Jaw they called Bluin. Yeah, and yeah. you know, you know, because Roger was on the road all the time. Right. He was, you know, I mean, for yeah. cats who could play barrel and yeah. read and stuff in town. Right. Man, I would be waiting for my my phone to ring. My phone never rang, <laughs> so I would. That's why I was hooked up with Kid yeah. when Kid started getting all the the con. A contract from the union uh-huh. for all the shows coming in New Orleans. When the Superdome was being built, yeah. they had to get African American cats, you know, because before then, a lot of time when they were getting 
the big shows come in town and they have to put the orchestra together for uh-huh. the big acts yeah. and stuff. They call one of the white cats. Yeah. They yeah. put the, it put, yeah. put, put, put it in. So uh-huh. now, and, and it wasn't going that well, especially if you're doing a Motown show uh-huh. with the Four Tops and the Temptations. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this is after they had, the, you know, after they had done those sessions with uh, the full orchestra. Right. The strange and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Kid got the contract <laughs> for all that stuff was coming in. Wow. So he was how that's how I got to start playing baritone on the shows and stuff. Uh-huh. Because Kid wasn't playing the shows, he was conducting the band. Yeah. <laughs> you did? And then Carl Bluen by this time was not just teaching and stuff. Carl had become the principal of St. Augustine High School. <laughs> so he couldn't do as much session work yeah, and gig, yeah, gig yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I finally started getting the gig. That's just when the Superdome was being, being um, that first wow. two weeks of it being open uh-huh. and they had all the special shows. Uh-huh. And this is how they did it. The first week they had, never forget it, they had, they had Bob Hope <laughs> with the big opening thing <laughs> and Anita Bryant oh jeez remember <laughs> <laughs> that's what they had the first and it was every day they had sets like that okay yeah, yeah. the second week every day they had sets like uh, the May, uh, 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 the Staples Singers oh. the Jackson 5 there you go. I mean like a Motown review yeah yeah, right? yeah. and and then we did the big concert Years so later at the theater for the performing arts, uh-huh. um, with the uh, with kid, a kid at the baton and stuff, and we doing the full orchestra thing, the strings and uh-huh. stuff, and uh-huh. you know they had like oboe parts. And stuff. Yeah. Well, we got the big band. Uh-huh. We didn't have an oboe. We had, we had cats that could double. Yeah. But kid had it, a sax oboe. Whoa. <laughs> It's pitched in C like an oboe. Uh-huh. It makes the sound of an oboe, but it's a saxophone <laughs> fingering, man, right? But it's pitched in C so you could read oboe music. <laughs> so when we was dub- when it was time to double, yeah. you know, double, we doubling on that little sax oboe that he had. I was dub- I dub- I just doubled on clarinet and, and tenor and soprano. Other <laughs> uh, cats, you know, everybody had to double on stuff, man. But yeah, yeah. that was. That that was uh, the days of. That was a yeah. great gig, but yeah, that's how I start start start, start making bar- baritone yeah. saxophone yeah. gigs for them cats, man. Well, but anyway, let's get back to pull, pushing this, man. Well, <laughs> I'm we're pushing one of these things. Well, we pushed it pretty good. We pushed it. Did, <laughs> I think did we, we did. Did we did we did we talk about the the cruise on the Natchez? Uh huh. <laughs> Let me go take him on the Natchez, yeah. man. Yeah. And, uh, um, but uh, anyway, um, you know, I just want to say one thing. The one thing that people, I don't know that people really realize, is that people think of New Orleans, and they think uh, it's funky, and they think you can dance to it, and they think it's the rhythm. And there's so many tunes that came out of New Orleans that had so much to say. <laughs> you know the meters, even dumpster fun oh. these days. Ivan oh. Neville, because cats have a lot to say on that and that that LaBelle album. 
Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that tune that I played is inspiring. Oh, I mean, it's just inspiring. Cool. You know, we need power and we need peace. And, uh, you know, it's not too late to love, love, love. I mean. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, um, but you know what? I am, I'm so fortunate to be, I guess, by this time in my life, I guess, chosen. To use what energies that I've have to bring folks together, yeah, to yeah. to yeah. to share what I have to the largest possible audience, and if I have anything to give. Just keep our hope lanterns lit. Well, that's how I feel about, you know, this radio show. You know, what do I got that I can offer comfort, inspiration, and understanding through the music? What you know, else is there? I've, I've, played, I've played many, many, many funerals. The older I get, the harder it is for me to play funerals. Yeah. And, but you know, I played at Janice's funeral, and I echo her words, her words to me many times. Uh huh. And she said, "Reggie, we're in the healing business. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, because yeah. she related the story of when she had to play at her grandmother's funeral." Because she was in her little Oklahoma town where she grew up and learned learned her craft from her mom and her grandmother. Uh-huh. And all the funerals and wakes she had to play from the time she was seven or eight years old, she's had those kind of chops and was called upon to play. So, And then much later she had to play at her and we talked about this, mm-hmm. and she, and that's what she says. She said, "Well, Reggie, that's what we do." You know, because I shared mm-hmm. my stories of playing for you know, when I when I played at Danny Barker, and I played, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I played other people's funeral, but when you play somebody's funerals, that mean a lot to you, you know, and and you. You got tears, and, and if you're playing a wind instrument, you got tears in your eyes and right. snot coming out your nose, it's, mm-hmm. you know. But you're still trying to get that 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 song out, right. you know. Right. It, it's a little weaker. Yeah, you could hear your tears in it, mm-hmm. you know. But you but but you playing it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so I I I keep that. It's 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 it is tattooed. It's burned in my brain. I could hear her voice with that little smile, you know, the old mm-hmm. But that's what we do. So, I, I thank you, Tom, for this opportunity to, you know, talk about the gigs coming up. But just yeah. to get the chance to talk to you, I know, with or without a microphone, right? <laughs> and since I turn this off, we can start talking about baseball. <laughs> 
Okay, it's time to talk about baseball now. As soon as I turn this off. Yeah. Okay. All right, Reggie, thank you so much for coming in. It's always a pleasure. It's always an inspiration. Thanks a lot. Okay, and, and Tom. Yeah. Good luck this year with your Oreos. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, my God. 